You're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the Kulin Nation and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We're bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Corey Green. Well, I think a reason that people like might pollute the environment or cut down trees is because they want the easiest way possible to get money and they don't really care about how they get it. On today's show, we're talking about environmental education in schools. I spoke to Julie Harris from Environment Education Victoria about their program which goes to schools throughout Victoria. I spoke to Dominique Dabala, who is one of the teachers implementing the program at St Mary's Primary School, Williamstown, and who also works at Environment Education Victoria. And I spoke to some of her students who are on the Student Sustainability Leadership Team. I wanted to find out what the students were learning and, as future leaders, what issues were important to them. I'll have the students introduce themselves. My name's Imogen. I'm Simone. I'm Lily. I'm Catherine. I'm Jacqueline. I'm the great, amazing Christian. I'm Liam. Also, we had Stella, who helped me out on the technical side of the interview. The first question I asked was, what kind of environmental issues concern you? We'll start with Christian. Um, Some things that concern me is how many trees are getting cut down by the environment when we're not needing it. And why does that concern you? Well, because it stops the animals from having a home. This is Lily. Um, something that concerns me, like Christian said, the trees are getting cut down and that concerns me because that means the le- we won't have leaves that we use for oxygen and we can't breathe. Next up, we have Jacqueline. Global warming concerns me because um, the countries around the equator will be, won't be able to be lived in. These are Simone's thoughts. Pollution concerns me because a lot of the animals are getting killed by um, pollution like fishing nets for seals because I once visited the zoo and they told us that a seal died from a fishing net or plastic bag getting caught onto them and it was really sad. And so why do you think that people cut down the trees and have fishing nets and, and things like that? Why do you think that people pollute the environment? This is Liam. Well, some people do it because they're lazy. Like, if the bin's really far away, they just can't be bothered. Like, they're just literate because it's easier. Also, another reason I think maybe is because people don't really care what happens about the environment. You were talking about cutting down the trees. Why do you think people cut down trees? Well, I think people cut down trees to build homes out of wood and that. But I think that's important. But something I think that's also a bit unfair is that they're using it for paper but some kids might draw like a line on paper or they just waste it and I think that's really unfair. Well I think a reason that people like might pollute the environment or cut down trees is because they want the easiest way possible to get money and they don't really care about how they get it. Um, Well they cut down trees because of paper does play a big role in our life Um, Like, we would need paper for art, and so if you really love art, you could... That's why we have paper, but it would be really amazing if people could find find another way to 
for paper instead of cutting down trees that we really need for oxygen. Then we heard from Catherine. Um, sometimes pollution, it's often caused by cars and the um, petrol and stuff that comes out of them. And often people aren't really aware the actual impact that cars have. They just know that they need to get somewhere, so they just get in the car, but they're not really aware of the actual impact that it has. Okay, so we've brought up a couple of issues. Um, we've brought up laziness, people wanting to make profits and people not not maybe knowing about environmental issues. So what kind of solutions would you guys, you know, like to see to these sort of environmental issues? Well, maybe people should stop um, littering and just put them into bins so then they are not, like, going everywhere at sea onto the land and everything. So, yeah. Well, something I thought that could happen to help is, so because we're polluting a lot of the land, um, people, instead of using, um, like, coal, which can burn and make a lot of pollution, maybe use a, a lot safer way as well. So not just coal, some other smarter and safer ways for us to use. So would that be something like renewable energy or people using recycled paper? Um, It would be um, renewable energy because that is a lot more safer and it's a lot better and it won't give it a lot of pollution as coal does. We could find another way by using electric cars so we don't have pollution and so we don't let out gas and all that, um, which affects our environment very badly and can cause very bad stuff in our environment. We could um, use electric cars, which runs on solar or batteries, Mm -hmm. which really can help with the environment. So um, solutions like recycling and electric cars and renewable energy have been around for a long time. Can you think of any reasons why um, we haven't implemented them more? Maybe because it costs too much money for us to actually get started on. I'm sort of like Imogen said, but with a car, if you want to keep going somewhere, it takes a lot of time as well to um, get that. So if you want an electric car, it might take a lot of time to actually charge the car and get around somewhere. That was Imogen, Simone, Lily, Catherine, Jacqueline, Christian and Liam, who are on the Student Sustainability Leadership Team at St Mary's Primary School in Williamstown. We'll hear more of that interview later. Next up, we have Julie Harris, who is the Executive Officer at Environment Education Victoria. I asked her to tell us about the work that they do. Okay, well, we we do a whole lot of stuff um, at uh, EEV or EVE, we like to call ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things we do is to advocate for sustainability to ensure that that remains strong in Victorian curriculum. Um, and it goes all the way from... Uh, a, prep or foundation right up to year 12 because we uh, support VCE environmental science as well. So we do do a lot of that stuff that's very much related to in schools, but we also support our members from the community sector and government sector, linking them in with new knowledge, um, making sure everyone's sort of active. So we really like to be a collective voice for sustainability in education. So whole bunch of stuff that, that's involved in that. Um, we run events, um, have our newsletter that goes out monthly, and we also have a journal that goes out a few times a year. So it's just some of the things that we do. 
Can you give an example of the sort of programs that they run in school? Ah, okay. Well, uh, in, in terms of the programs that run in school, there's um, a particular framework in Victoria called Resource Smart Schools, and that actually sits within a, a national um, framework called the Australian Sustainable Schools Initiative. So it's been around for, for quite a number of years now. The pilots sort of started in, I think it was around about 2001, and um, it's sort of grown since then. So we now have strong support from the state government. Um, and that really helps schools, gives them, gives them something to hang, hang their coats on, if you like, with that framework to help uh, save energy, uh, water and waste and to increase their biodiversity in their school grounds, but also within their communities. So it sort of provides that community link. It looks at the practices that are happening within the school, but it also has really strong links to curriculum. So a lot of opportunities for students to get active. And there's there's lots of amazing stuff happening out in Victorian schools. Um, and there's probably around about, it's, um, it's not mandatory. So it's something that schools opt in to share their data about what they're doing. And I think it's roughly around about a third of Victorian schools participate and are active in, in some way, which is great. I thought one of the interesting things about Resource Smart Schools is that it's not just teaching kids, but it's sort of leading by example. Yeah, very much, very much so. So it's, um, it's the schools taking, active, uh, taking an active role in saving their energy. So they're, they're making choices around um, and changing behaviours. Uh, quite often, though, it is the students that lead that change or the students and teachers working in partnership. So it's often the students that are the ones that are really keen to um, you know, change whether there are poor waste practices at the school or they're really passionate about you know, planting more trees or increasing... Um, the biodiversity in their school and community. So that it's often the kids um, that identify an issue that's local to their school and that they get really passionate about. Um, yeah, so that's, that's often the driver in the school. Or it might be that the principal um, and the leadership team are like, no, we've, we've really got to do something um, about making sure that we are leading by example as a school, as a facility and as a school community. Um, yeah, and sort of bringing the students along with them. So it's it's kind of a, a two-way thing and it's it's quite often um, the schools that have really strong links with their community um, and it's that two-way partnership with, with the local community as well that really brings about that, um, that solid change um, towards sustainability. So in general, have you found kids to be quite passionate about environmental issues? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. They, um, and one of the things in, in, in my role and, and in previous roles when I've worked in state government, the thing that always inspires you is getting out in schools and talking to the students. They are absolutely the ones that are passionate. If there's an awards event or something um, that happens, it's, um, it's when you hear those students speak, that's the stuff that... that lights the spark, if you like, and, and that's why, yeah, I'd have to say that's why I'm in, in the job that I'm in. Um, it is very much around, that, yeah, those kids and those students and the next, next generation, and they never cease to amaze. 
In what ways would you like to extend or improve the program? Ah, there's a very good question. <laughs> well, there's always there's always something else to do. Um, I think one of the the next big things that we'd like to see um, is looking at sort of initial teacher education and how we can better um, prepare teachers for when they hit schools, when they first start teaching. How can they be better prepared? They don't have to be the hero teacher. We often find that um, in terms of who the sustainability teachers are, they're always somebody who's really passionate and driving things and they do an amazing job. However, we would do a better job if we could empower more teachers so that when they start teaching, they're looking for those opportunities to ensure that sustainability is embedded in what they do. So... Um, recently been involved in a project um, in Southeast Asia um, and it's happening in Southeast Asia and Central Asia and also in Africa um, and it's a UNESCO-funded project which is around sustainability begins with teachers. So it's really looking at how can teacher education institutions um, better embed sustainability in what they're doing so that teachers are are better equipped um, to deal with, you know, the sustainability issues and the sustainable development goals that, yeah. So that gives an international context as well, not Mm. just, yeah. So it's really that sort of holistic view. Um, So I think that's something that we can work work on. Um, And then from a a national perspective, um, probably... Oh, ten, eight, ten years ago, there was really strong coordination from all the states and territories, um, particularly around the Australian Sustainable Schools Initiative, but also around education for sustainability in general. There was um, a council, um, there was a, a statement and some policy that was driving um, education for sustainability. And that's sort of that's dropped off in the last five years. So it's it's something that I think at the national level really needs to be picked up again. What kind of outcomes have you had? Are there any um, success stories that particularly moved you? Oh, there's there's a lot, you know. And it's probably every time I walk into a school, you see some things that really really move you. Whether it is um, walking into a school like Deer Park North. Um, and you see things change within the school, um, how the students are really proud of what they've created. I think that's that's one of the things that, that is always moving. It's pro- yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot. Another example is uh, another school out in uh, the Western Metro region and they're... Uh, public-private partnership school and so there are certain things in how those schools are run that they don't have control over. So things like water usage, for example, is something uh, the, there is a management company that looks after the facilities under those um, regimes. So I think probably a particular success story was uh, getting that school and I think they've now been assessed as being a five-star resource smart school and it was just overcoming some of those barriers um, 
that uh, means then they've become the first sort of five-star public-private partnership school. So it, it was great to see them be able to lead the way. They had a particularly passionate teacher involved and um, she was also then able to bring uh, some other younger teachers from that school on board with her. So I think it's always a success story when those key teachers leave a school and they actually leave a legacy. So the fact that she was able to leave a legacy and things have actually continued um, on and the school still has a strong sustainability philosophy and, and practice um, and they're still doing awesome things, that that to me is always a success story because um, if a teacher leaves and sustainability um, initiatives leave with them, that can actually leave a negative legacy for the school because they don't think, ah, that's not really important, that was only Mrs So-and-So's um, pet um, pet love. Um, so I think that's always a success story. So I think that one sticks out for me is because that school had to overcome a number of barriers to, to get that certification. So hmm. yeah. I, th- I think that gives kids a like a real lesson in politics. Ah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so because it's not it's not always a what it, well it's certainly not a one size fits all. And and I think for for students to be able to see, you know, there's sometimes you've got to jump a few extra hurdles. Um, that that's the reality. Can you please talk about environment education around Australia? Ah, okay. So, in around Australia, um, and it all sort of happens quite differently in every state and territory, and sometimes that depends where environment education sits. So sometimes it might sit actually within an education department or it might sit within an environment department. Sometimes there are memorandums of understanding between the two um, in terms of how sustainability happens in schools. Um, so as I mentioned before, there is um, there is still what's known as Aussie, which is the Australian Sustainable Schools Initiative, so whilst there might not be any uh, federal or national coordination of that, it's still happening in every state and territory. Um, and different states and territories have different levels of funding to support that in schools. We're really lucky here in Victoria that we, we have a good level of funding um, and other states and territories uh, do as well. Some aren't quite as lucky. Um, and, yeah, but... There's still a lot of passion across Australia for sustainability to be embedded in schools. Um, so there's still a lot of work uh, happening, mm. there, but all in different ways. And and it's right that it's locally contextualised to, to each state and territory um, to have their their flavours. Thanks for appearing on the show. Ah, pleasure. That was Julie Harris, who is the Executive Officer at Environment Education Victoria. I'm Corey Green, and you're listening to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories. On today's show, we're talking about environment education in schools. Now we return to the students of St Mary's Primary School, Williamstown. I asked them what sort of future they would like to see regarding the environment. Lily answered. Well, I'd like to see in our future maybe... Um, not much rubbish around and 
it would be really amazing so we don't have the normal pollution. Um, uh, we could maybe we might find um, people might be able to invent or create some new stuff that will really help um, nature like maybe find a new way to make paper or it might be another car. I would like to see a future that's more sustainable so people are using more renewable energy sources and electric cars and yeah things like that which will just are a lot more eco-friendly. Next up we had Christian. Well something I would like to see is clear blue skies and I'm sure a lot of people would and not a lot of pollution and hopefully see some um because we are the next generation um little other kids helping pick up rubbish if they see something on the ground or yeah and using more electric cars as well these are liam's thoughts a future that i would like to see is like just like less trees being cut down and less littering because that's what's that's like the big issue is here like all the animals are losing life and the trees are getting cut down for like other resources but it's like it's not really worth it because it's just like if we cut down all our trees to use wood then we wouldn't have any air left and we would just have like houses and eventually we wouldn't have anything to live on and we would just like fade away. Next up, we heard from Simone. I would like a future that has more trees blooming in the la- in the land and more animals seeing that you can see around the countryside and like and more um, rubbish bins that are filled with um, rubbish not on the ground like they are a bit now. So, do you guys like going out in nature? Well, I think it is nice going outside in nature because. There's a lot more things to do and just sit there on your iPad or on your technology. There's a whole land of nature that you can play in and there's literally unlimited possibilities what you could do with nature. We'll get back to the students of St Mary's Williamstown. Now we have their teacher, Dominic Dabala, who is a science and sustainability leader at St Mary's. She also works for Environment Education Victoria. She's talking about environmental education, which is integrated into many areas of their school. When you're in the process of doing it, it doesn't feel like you're doing lots of different things. You feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. But um, as a school, we have, I guess in the last couple of years, a big focus has been getting the kids to ride locally. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's lots of initiatives to help kids become more active in their travel to school, but We use it for an education purpose as well so that we can get out into our community without having to use buses. And by nature of uh, Williamstown, it's fairly slow traffic-wise. Like, we don't have major roads travelling through and we have lots of resources that we can access to. So getting the kids onto bikes and moving around um, their community to get to and from school but also for us to take them out and do some learning locally was a natural fit I wish I could say that that was awesome uh, work thanks to me, <laughs> but um, the grade five, six teacher, a couple of new grade five, six teachers into the role about eight years ago at our school and a really supportive principal. And so they investigated ways of getting the kids out from, it initially came from 
travelling by bus to the local beach, which is about a 15-minute walk, Mm. and the kids were being bussed there. So it really grew out of that. And now all our teachers are trained to be on-road bike education instructors, um, and we take kids out for excursions locally on their bikes. And everyone from grade prep who get education in the school to the grade sixes who will ride to the local wetlands or ride to science works or ride to a park in Yarraville for an end-of-year celebration. So that's one major thing. Uh, There's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on, not incidentally. um, Our year fours, as part of their introduction to going on camp, they have a big day out in Queenscliff that has a marine education focus, which is also a great fit for Williamstown. Uh, Yeah, there's heaps of stuff. Um, you guys have a garden as well? We do. We we had a grant a few years ago from Nestle that allowed us to set up a, uh, some garden beds and a greenhouse. We also have chickens in our school. They are really awesome learning tools from the grade preps who look at them from the perspective of the needs of living things to the five sixes who take responsibility for caring for them on a daily basis. And the garden, we can showcase what it's like to grow your own food but we don't grow enough that you could support anybody with it it tends to be a big flourish of stuff a couple of times a year and uh, different classes get out there and they use different garden beds but lately it's been me and the kid whoever is interested during recess and lunchtime who'll get out and garden that's great and do you um, talk about sustainability issues in the classroom as well yes to different degrees in different classrooms For some people, it becomes like a subject focus, so it gets tied to what they do, say, in their science subject. The year two is a water uh, unit of work, for example. Uh, And in other classrooms, they're way more active. So a number of the grade five, six classrooms, they have worm farms in their classrooms. And some of the kids are really good at just managing those. They set up their own sort of mini business selling the worm juice that comes out of the bottom of the worm farm. They're really fussy about looking after them. Yeah, it's... uh, and the grade, uh, the grade ones at the moment, they are doing a unit on mini beasts. So they both have worm farms in their classrooms. And we're trying to tee up a talk with a worm expert as well. Wow. Yeah. So, yes, it does happen. Some in, And in some classrooms, it's just like one or two times a year. And in others where the teachers are a bit more tuned into that kind of stuff, it happens more frequently. And yeah. how do the kids generally respond? Kids seem to get it. I don't even know what I'm like when I say get it. I also run a sustainability student leadership team. So that's kids in year six, the ones uh, that that are planning the kids teaching kids workshop and that are um, that you interviewed. Yes. So the demand to be part of that group was so high this year that I had to have two different groups of students. I don't know if they know what they're interested in. I know that they, they love getting out and doing stuff and instantly being part of sustainability means you can get out into the garden, you get to go to the Kids Teaching Kids Conference, you get to go on other special excursions. I'll pull them out of class and do things with them that other groups don't necessarily do, the other leadership groups. So I think that's a big draw card sustainability-wise, like that's a big interest for them. But I also find that it it's, lends itself naturally to being really active and so the kids love to be involved in that like it's not about sport but it's about being outside it's about planning initiatives to try and make a difference in their school yeah I think that explains that (laughs) so there is no well if I reflect on my teaching experience there are some students who are like well I don't care about that 
Mm. And I'm like, well, you're in my class, so you're going to learn to care about that, (laughs) (laughs) which seems a bit mean and, you know, teacher bringing teacher bias to the whole situation. But uh, I can't say that I've experienced many kids that would refuse to go outside or go on a bike ride to the wetlands or get involved in water testing or listen to a snake talk or plan a workshop for another group of kids that I think the engagement element of it is really appealing to these kids that they have a, there's a sense of responsibility and it's practical and applicable you're not you're not uh, just thinking about like theoretical situations or somebody else's ideas you're putting your own ideas into practice I saw um, as part of uh, the Resource Smart program that your school actually also leads by example. Yep. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yep. Uh, so a big part of what we do, I guess because we're sort of unique in the western suburbs, there are, mm, I think, up to 75 schools engaged in Resource Smart in the west. But everybody does it a little bit differently. And so for us... We, because we are engaged in our local wetlands and we've worked in partnership with a lot of people, it's always been about sharing that example with others. It seems as though it's a unique thing that a school can operate like that, that we could work with Parks Victoria or our local council or BirdLife Australia on these sorts of projects, but it's only because we sought those things. It didn't just, it's not because of where we are. We're lucky that we have access to a place like Jawbone Wetlands but every community has places in it that are just as interesting as a, as a wetland, the wetland that we have access to. And so uh, we always try and share that with other people. It's a big part of my role is communicating what it is that we do as a school and trying to share our expertise with others, that it's not just, it's not just a school like us that can do this. Any school can do a whole range of things in their communities and... I guess, too, it helps to legitimise um, sustainability as an, as an interest for a school. It, there's, you know, there's the cost-saving measures and the, uh, you know, the building into the curriculum. But the big thing is, is that you're connecting in with your community and we always try and communicate that it's such a rich thing to connect into when you have a really good working relationship with your local council We've done things like got the street closed out the front of our school because council understood what we were doing and we had the opportunity to host a ride to school day, like a big celebration event. And because council knows who we are, they're like, okay, we'll close the street. Yeah, so for us about, you know, like it's we call it being an outward-facing school. We're engaging with our community. We've got the opportunity to access all these resources that not only can educate our students but we can use to educate our parents as well. And then you get things back because you are so active. People are like, oh, do you want to be involved in this thing like a radio interview? <laughs> yeah. So why do you think it's important to teach students about the environment and sustainability? Oh, boy, that's like the multi-million dollar question. <laughs> for, me, like for me, it's such a personal passion as well. Uh, so I can't see not teaching it. Uh, I think it has so many benefits. It gets you out of doors when you start talking about a new like way of approaching curriculum, STEM, which is science, technology, engineering and maths, where you're trying to bring children to experience like real world problem solving, I think in the environment, environmental issues, sustainability, that has like so much guts in it that you can use that as a great foundation for that kind of learning. Uh, I also think 
It helps kids develop an appreciation for the natural environment around them. If they're experiencing it from an educational perspective and learning to have a relationship with that place about what its values are or understanding the science of it or using it as an art inspiration, it helps them connect into a place that they may not connect to. Like they might transition through that place, you know, like a kid riding to school in the morning would probably ride past lots of parks or through parkland or whatever it might be past the beach, but may not necessarily tune into what's there or think of it as a place that's valuable. I think that local perspective is really important. And if you're really focusing on environmental education, then you're thinking about what's around you. You're not just thinking about these remote places that are that have value, but that you can't experience. It's like it's right there outside your door. Even in an inner city setting, there is a park or there's a creek or there's a history of a creek being in an area. There's so much that you can tune into. And I think I, I see the issues that we have that we will be facing in the future with a changing climate, that kids need to be able to understand that they are empowered to do something about that. Like, it's not just a problem that became too big that nobody could deal with it, but, you know, we talked about how important it was when they were in primary school and then they explored those ideas as they grew up and then they became responsible for, you can't stop it, but, you know, mitigating it or being really creative and living in a new, in a new environment. So how would another school get involved in this sort of environmental education? Oh, there's lots of things. Council is always a really useful resource. Mm-hmm. Either get in contact with your sort of like waste education person or the conservation rangers that work in the parks department. They're usually a really good contact. They know about opportunities for tree planting or the chance to go out and do water testing. They also, some councils will provide workshops for schools and come and visit you and talk to you about how to manage your waste in your school. You might also uh, get in touch with other organisations who are running kind of national initiatives. Bird Life Australia is a really good one. They do the National Backyard Bird Count. So bringing those kinds of things that have an educational focus and sciencey kind of thing into what you're doing as a school. Uh, Yeah, how else might you get involved? And get outside and have a look around. What's around your school? So is there anything um, that you would like to do to improve your program? <laughs> Lots of stuff. Waste is like by bugbear at school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just like a personal challenge for me at my school. But I guess from um, some things that really bother me about it, some things I think we've been doing for a really long time and we just haven't got anywhere with it. Like we teach kids about the environment. And then once they've learnt about the environment, that's it, you move on. Uh, And the curriculum is under pressure and sustainability has become a cross-curriculum priority, which means it really should be taught in everything. So it doesn't matter if you're teaching English or maths or science or history or any of the other humanities subjects, it should be in it. But it's sort of like drifted away. It's become its own separate document and unless you know about that document, you're not really drawing on it. It's... Not the, There's not the pressure to include it in the curriculum like there is for maths and science and English. It's, yeah, it's kind of secondary to those things. So I think that that's a broader sort of political and sector discussion that needs to happen and how we can make it more of a priority for schools. Yeah. And I think every school should consider being a resource smart school because it gives you great structure for doing it and it helps you sell the idea to lots of different people because you can look at it from a financial perspective you can look at it from an 
community engagement perspective. It gives you a whole bunch of tools and opportunities to engage with your school community, like parents and kids, but also connecting to other things. Yeah. And uh, it, it has awards attached to it, if that's your thing. You can get <laughs> certificates and stars and enter to be a resource smart school and win an award and money for your school. Well, thanks very much for appearing on the show. Thanks for having me. That was Dominique Dabala, who works as a science and sustainability leader at St Mary's Primary School, Williamstown, and is also a passionate advocate through Environment Education Victoria. We return now to the students of St Mary's sustainability leadership team. I ask them what kind of things they do now to look after the environment. We'll start with Lily. Um, some things that we can do now to help with the environment is simple stuff like if we see some rubbish on the floor, we can um, pick up the rubbish or we can teach other people about rubbish like younger kids than us at our school. Next up, we have Imogen. Um, in my home, I use second-hand items so we don't have to keep on using furniture that we need trees to cut down. We can use second-hand items so we can stop that from happening. This is Simone. Well, at school, normally on National Tree Day, I mean, it's a day that we go to the Shelly Beach and we pick up rubbish and we have a lot of fun and we get and we pick up rubbish from the beach so it doesn't go out to sea as much. And what kind of stuff um, would you like to do for the environment when you grow up? Well, I would like to make birdhouses for the birds so then they can, like, stay in a home, not, like, be flooded around, like, not get, like, killed. Sometimes they get killed and that's a bit sad and, like, maybe plant plants at a, at a park maybe once every month or something. That would be fun. I would like to do more in National Tree Day where, like, I might go to the nearest wetlands around us or and then... We, I can go there and plant a few trees with other people from the community. Um, in the future, we can also we can be driving our electric cars a bit more. This is Catherine. We do this thing at school where we go to the wetlands and we um, collect the macroinvertebrates and we see whether the sensitive ones are in the water or the tolerant ones. And if there are more sensitive ones, it means the water quality is better. And I'd like to do something like that and record the water quality. And finally, we hear from Liam. Do you guys think that it's important for kids to learn about the environment? I think definitely because the more knowledge you have, the uh, you get a better understanding of the impact of your actions and the consequences. And so it'll help you to make better choices. And yeah. Once again, a big thank you to Stella for her technical assistance in recording this interview. You've been listening to Earth Matters. On today's show, we heard from Julie Harris from Environment Education Victoria. If you'd like to get in contact with them, their website is www.eev.vic.edu.au. After that, we heard from Dominique Dabala, who is also from Environment Education Victoria and is a science and sustainability leader at St Mary's Primary School, Williamstown. Throughout the show, we heard from members of our next generation of environmental warriors who are on the student sustainability leadership team at St Mary's. Their names are Imogen, Simone, 
Lily, Catherine, Jacqueline, Christian, Liam and Stella. If you missed some of today's show, don't forget that our podcast can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this program out to you. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria on the Kulin Nation. Our contact phone is 0394198377 and our email address is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. That's all for today, but we'll be back again next week. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne on the Kulin Nation. For more information and to find out how you can support 3CR, go to 3cr.org.au.